the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Uh, Back when my parents uh, were living, uh, it used to concern me that uh, I'd pop in to see them where uh, they live, 50 miles away from me, uh, toward evening, and I would always catch them watching uh, the CBS Evening News because they had watched the CBS Evening News ever since I was a little kid. And I was once part of a uh, radio startup, and I realized after that startup failed, that people's habits and their viewing habits and their listening habits, they're very, very difficult to break. And I would tell my parents, you got to turn that garbage off and you got to flip over to Fox News. Couldn't get them to do it. It was just a habit. They couldn't break it. And I worry similarly about people who get the majority of their news locally from the Columbus Dispatch because the Columbus Dispatch is... A rag. The Democratic uh, run, and it's not even Democratic, it's not even liberal. It's leftist, Marxist, far left, wacko, anti American partisans at the Columbus Dispatch. It was bad when Alan Miller was there running things, and then he left to go to Denison University, exposing, for all of us who already knew, uh, his leftist ideology. But it is run by people now who don't even attempt to hide, as Alan Miller did, as Daryl Rowland did, their leftist leanings. The op-ed page of a newspaper, the opinion page of a newspaper, is supposed to be the place where all views are represented. At least make an effort, please. But as was the case back when... House Bill 616 was on the table in the previous iteration of the Ohio General Assembly. The bill that would have made it illegal to indoctrinate kids in kindergarten, first, second, and third grade in LGBTQ ideology or transgender ideology. Back when I went to the uh, Columbus Metropolitan Club to rail against the fact that the dispatch had run nine editorials, all of them anti-House Bill 16, not a single one presenting the view for House Bill 616. See, the editorial board of the dispatch doesn't have to agree with a position portrayed on its pages, but it is incumbent in order for actual journalism to be practiced, for all views to be presented. So that was not the case with House Bill 616. It will not be the case now that... uh, There is a new iteration of that bill. And it is certainly not the case with a bill that is getting the universal condemnation of state universities and political partisans. And that's how you know that it's a good bill by the people who oppose it, by the people who are marshalling their forces against it. This is at least 
the third editorial in the past two weeks to run on dispatch pages about a bill circulating its way through the Ohio General Assembly that would rein in the wokeness on campuses when it comes to the teaching of American history. I'm not going to quote from it because I don't want to give it any more credence or uh, circulation than it already has. But it is a continual demonstration to me of how blatantly anti-journalism the dispatch is by the mere fact that they will not allow any dissenting views to be presented when it comes to a bill in the Ohio General Assembly that just says, hey, you're going to teach American history. You have to make sure you study the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution. And before you say, oh, sure, those are racist documents, Bruce, uh, written by old white guys. Uh, they also require you to study Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail and the Emancipation Proclamation. So, the dispatch is a trash heap of political activists. I don't love saying that only because there are a few, and I mean a very few, people that I know who work there who I would be sad if they were thrust into the economic uncertainty of that newspaper folding under the weight of its own wokeness. But I have to admit that I root for that to happen because our city, our community, our region would be far better off if the Columbus Dispatch were not spreading its partisan poison every single day. At least make an attempt to be objective. An attempt. It's not hard to find people who would say why this bill in the Ohio General Assembly has been proposed. It's not hard to find one. But just as you moved heaven and earth to go to ridiculous lengths to find people to disparage what was then proposed as House Bill 616... Going all the way to Dayton, Ohio, to find a transgender hairstylist to talk about the danger of that bill to his business because it was a biological man masquerading as a woman. You can find a transgender hairstylist in Dayton to rail against what was then House Bill 616, but you could not find then, nor could you find now. One conservative voice, one authentic voice. Christian voice, and don't bring me Tim Aarons or any of your woke rabbis that you wrote about today to advocate your demonic nonsense. What a disgrace that newspaper has become. I had uh, the experience of dining once with uh, John Wolfe, who was the publisher of The Dispatch, uh, back when I was employed by a company that he owned. And I can tell you, Mr. Wolf would not just roll over, but be spinning, spinning in his grave if he had any idea what the newspaper that his family started has become. But Jesse Baumert fits right in on that dispatch staff of woke fools and satanically influenced 
partisans. Here's her lead in today's story. Between debates on an income tax cut and the cost of educating Ohio's children, Ohio's Republican-controlled legislature is waging culture wars on everything from abortion and guns to transgender medical treatments. Now, this is interesting. The second paragraph, in order for her to bolster the contention she's just made that Ohio's Republican-controlled legislature is waging culture wars, she says, polling suggests Americans care far more about inflation, the cost of living, and immigration than abortion, guns, religious declines, or LGBTQ rights. Okay, let's take that as a fact that I'm not going to require you to prove, but I will admit into uh, evidence. Do they not also care more about inflation, the cost of living, immigration, abortion, guns, religious declines, than they do about climate change? Jesse Baumer, I'm missing your column back when the Inflation Reduction Act passed without a single Republican vote, railing against the fact that Joe Biden and his ilk passed another expensive bill we cannot afford, prioritizing climate change, which they will tell you now it was a climate bill all along, prioritizing climate change, which has plunged us into deeper economic peril. I don't remember you writing a column then about, wait a minute, Americans, polls show Americans care a whole lot more about this than they do about climate change. No, you only use that cudgel to put up a defense for your woke positions when it suits the narrative you're trying to further, which is just a further demonstration, a further, as if we needed it, demonstration of how dishonest disingenuous you are when it comes to everything that runs under the mantle of anything and everything affiliated with the Columbus Dispatch. Alan, did you see anything in the uh, local reportage across the spectrum of crappy reporting sites we have, Dispatch, Three local television stations and the like. I believe Uh, I told you I don't consume those (laughs) entities. Mentioning the death of former Ohio State Buckeye John Brockington. Aw. Did you see? You you did see something on that? I did not. On Facebook, I thought I saw something to that effect, yeah. Well, thank you, Ron, for sending in a notification that John Brockington passed away. Uh, Yes, John Brockington was a favorite of uh, my brother's. And... uh, Number 42, I remember John Brockington and his rushing style very, very well. So condolences to uh, the Brockington family. He was uh, a mainstay on the great Ohio State teams of uh, 68, 69, and 70. Can you imagine NIL, name, image, and likeness, and stuff back then? And no, I cannot. And that's why uh, that era was exceedingly superior yes. to today's. <laughs> I know the Buckeye football team was at some... Uh, NIL, you know, recruiting thing where they brought in a bunch of companies. And I get it. It's 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 just not my thing. I think it cheapens uh, what fans of college sports 
have affiliated with college sports, which is, oh, here's a refreshingly naive idea. Wow, you mean I get a free education for coming and playing a sport and representing a university and a university's alumni base? Uh, Wow, that's a great deal. And I know, you know, they come and they train. They're trying to get to the NFL and all that. But along about hmm, 1990, I think, players cease to understand that becoming an Ohio State Buckeye was really, really good for your business prospects beyond your playing career. Yeah, how many? Really beyond. Really great for your business prospects. How many have parlayed that into? Very few, but Clark Kellogg got that. I remember Clark Kellogg when he um, committed to Ohio State. It was Ohio State or Michigan, as it often is with a lot of players. And Clark said the business prospects in Columbus were such that I felt like I had to become an Ohio State Buckeye. Well, Clark Kellogg's now on the Ohio State Board of Trustees. Had an NBA career, successful NBA career. He's got a successful career at CBS, but Clark's a successful businessman in uh, Columbus. Ask Ronnie Stokes about whether or not his uh, bona fides as a loyal talented, accomplished Ohio State Buckeye have been good for his business endeavors. But, you know, people will say to people like you and me, the get-off-my-lawn guys, um, the $100 handshakes have been going on forever, so why yeah, don't yeah, they yeah, just yeah. bring it up? When the, yeah. the, the car was free, but yeah. the license plate cost 10 20, So I would ask. So here's my response to that. Okay. Do you eat hot dogs? Sure. Do you want to know what's in a hot dog? Nope. Okay, so that's my response. I know it goes on. Doesn't mean I have to be okay with it. Doesn't mean I want to see it. Yeah. All right? So that's my response. Do you eat hot dogs? Yeah, I do. You want to know what's in them? No. You want to know how the sausage is Prefer made. not yeah. to. Okay? So there you go. Uh, condolences to the Brockington family. I will not be extending any condolences to the Biden family. Uh, because, ask not for whom the bell tolls. The bell will, I hope, toll for you. James Comer, the head of the House Oversight Committee, says that, uh, oh, look at this, several former Biden family associates have eagerly agreed to speak with House Republicans about how they were left out to dry by the Biden family's selfish business interests. Comer's quote, it doesn't look good for the president. He said, if you look at everyone who's ever been in business with Joe Biden, whether it is Hunter Biden or Joe Biden, None of them ended well. None of the businesses ended well. Most of the businesses never got started. Any money that was transferred in from China or adversaries around the world ended up in the Biden's back pockets. Now, of course, James Comer has possession of the uh, suspicious activity reports from banks, which detail lots and lots of suspicious activity by the Biden family. Yeah, y'all over there on the Democratic side of the aisle thought that Tony Bobulinski and his uh, meticulous record-keeping of Hunter Biden's business activities, y'all thought that was going to go away, right? Oh, we ignored that in the mainstream media. Nothing to see here. Well, now, Jim Jordan and Jamie Comer have the power of House oversight, and they're not going to let it rest. And you know what? This Trump indictment will shock me. Shock me if it does not result in some ambitious conservative prosecutor somewhere deciding, hey, you know, if Alvin Bragg in New York can indict Donald Trump, I bet I could indict Joe Biden. I bet I could indict Hunter Biden. I bet I could indict 
Hillary Clinton. Now, it's interesting. I've heard a lot of liberal pundits say that Donald Trump got indicted because, of course, no one is above the law. No one is above the law, right? No one is above the law. Um, Eric Holder, I think, was above the law when he ignored a congressional subpoena. Um, I believe Hillary Clinton was above the law when she sent 110 emails marked classified, including some, I believe it was eight, that were marked top secret. Uh, I believe that uh, John Brennan was above the law when he perjured himself before a Senate subcommittee. And if you want to go into the Wayback Machine, I believe Bill Clinton was above the law when he perjured himself testifying about, and this is an interesting parallel, is it not? Testifying about sex with a woman to whom he was not married. Oh, right. That's what the Trump indictment is about, right? Sex with a woman who was not his wife while he was married. By the way, did you hear the Salem Media update? I think it was 1230. Alan, did you hear that? Salem Media update at 1230 where Stormy Daniels has been ordered to pay $122,000 more to Donald Trump. And she had been previously ordered to pay $300,000. I'm just doing the math in my head here. And I know, I know she got more for her striptease appearances and stuff because she's, you know, a national figure in the aftermath of all the associated headlines related to Donald Trump. But do you think she's cleared like 300 grand more? Because she have to clear 300 grand more from her alleged dalliance with Donald Trump in order to just break even. Because by my math, she's been ordered to pay 422 grand to Donald Trump, who if Alvin Bragg is right, and that's a big, big assumption, Donald Trump paid her 130. That leaves her like 300 grand in arrears. So I hope, you know, for her economic benefit, certainly not for her personal benefit, she um, has been able to capitalize on her um, adulterous relationship with Donald Trump, if in fact it happened, which she wrote a story about it happening. She went on 60 Minutes saying it happened, and then she denied it happened. So I know it's shocking, right, that a woman who would uh, disrobe for money who would appear in uh, pornographic movies for money, uh, would not be a trustworthy person. Shocking. Shocking, right? So, yes, we did have a win today. We lost on the Trump indictment. We lost on the uh, Chicago mayor. We lost on the Wisconsin judge. But uh, Jamie Comer's on the case. Sniffing around the Biden crime family. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.